the times that we feel upset, we feel anxious, we feel angry, we feel frustrated because our businesses aren't where we want them to be, or our kids aren't doing what we want them to do. When we feel those things, it's because our ideal or our idea of what should be happening doesn't match reality. And we try and push it to make it match that. And sometimes that's cool. We need to push ourselves and go to wherever the next level is we need to be. Most of the time, however, if we just took a deep breath, calmed down, looked at where we are, we would realize we're way ahead of where we were last year, last month, whatever we're talking about. Same thing with kids. If we just take a deep breath, it's okay. Even though we think, why aren't they doing this? They should be over this by now or whatever we're saying. Take a deep breath, look back. That was only two weeks ago that they learned how to walk. So when you talk about seasonality, that's exactly it. Most of the time, we just have to let the season happen the way it's going to happen and not necessarily just respond to it, but adapt as it's happening and create as it's happening instead of always forcing. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and this podcast is especially made for you if you are a highly ambitious businesswoman, you take your business very seriously, and you know that this entire experience is one long journey. Welcome to the entire Biz Women Rock community. There are thousands of other women entrepreneurs just like you who are on this journey with you. My job here at the podcast is to be able to give you some insights, really deep and soul-fulfilling conversations about this journey, strategies that might help you along, and words of encouragement so that you can have the most joy possible. You're jumping into a special series that I'm running right now called the Mompreneur Series because... Not only have I been a mompreneur for the past two and a half years, but there are so many other women entrepreneurs who also are mothers. Now, whether you are a mother or not, I promise you that listening to each and every one of these incredible conversations with these women will teach you something, at least one or two nuggets that you will walk away with that will allow you to maybe work your business a little bit better, implement a strategy that somebody talked about, and most importantly, make you feel connected and that we are all in this game together. So enjoy the Mompreneur series on the Biz Women Rock podcast. Mary Catherine Johnson has had an online business since 2003. At that time, her sons were young, a toddler and a baby, and she just did it all. The tech, the fulfillment, the marketing for her online maternity wear store, and taking care of her kiddos full time. Fast forward to 2018, and her sons are now 19 and 16, and Mary has two more businesses under her belt. She is the creator of the Parent Entrepreneur Power podcast, where she talks to very successful entrepreneurs about the parenting part of their life and also acts as a private consultant to many of them. She also founded Messenger Funnels, a business that helps people leverage the online messenger platform to deepen relationships with their clients. Mary's journey as a mompreneur and her experience having worked with many parent entrepreneurs 
gives this conversation a unique twist as she helps identify the phases of parenthood as they parallel business. And we get into an impassioned conversation about how we all go through seasons, both in business and in life, and how to ultimately surrender to the season. She talks about a few things she does to make sure she's constantly listening to herself and ended with one of the greatest gifts she's given to her boys. Mary, what's going on, girl? Hey there, Katie. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm so happy to have you here, not only because you have one of the sexiest female <laughs> podcasting voices I've ever I've ever had the chance of having on the show, <laughs> but also because we have a beautiful love story that started with randomly meeting each other at Social Media Marketing World back yeah. earlier this year. In an Uber, you know? How in an Uber. Yes. Relationship the... starts in an Uber. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a book out there somewhere. I know. <laughs> but we started chatting and you are just incredibly brilliant, have so many different facets of who you are and the history that you've had. And one of the things that you have done in the past and you still do is you do your parent entrepreneur power podcast. And that immediately was like, Oh, okay, cool. Let's talk about that. And then I found out that you were a mom of two kids. And I was like, okay, I'd love to have you on the show for the mompreneur series. So <laughs> let's riff on mompreneurship, girl. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What an amazing <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. Especially <laughs> nowadays, we all do. It's definitely morphed from the Tupperware mom doing parties to everything online and social media and marketing and products and e-commerce. I mean, Man, women, we can do anything oh while gosh. we're raising our kids, right? Seriously. Um, but just because we can doesn't mean yeah. we do it well. <laughs> or that totally... we should be doing everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. That is actually probably like the core lesson that I feel like I am constantly learning. My role with the company that my husband and I ran for so long, and the company that I really cut my teeth on in entrepreneurship in the first place, my role was as COO. So it was very much like, hey, he's the idea guy. He He's the face out there and then I would implement. And so I became really good at becoming what I call the Jill of all trades. And I really took pride in like, of course I can do it. Yes, I could do it. Yes, I could do it. And like from tech to social to everything, like I'm like, I'll figure it out. And I have found that that I've had to battle that concept, especially as a mompreneur, because I'm like, wait a minute, just because I can do this doesn't mean I should be doing this. I'm telling you, mama, that is the number one mistake that I made for years. And I mean years. I've been in online business since 2003. That was my first business. And I did... Ev- I mean, and we're not, we're not talking about just doing everything like posting... Because of course, social media didn't exist then. But we're talking... I built an e-commerce store and I did everything. I coded... I figured out how to code HTML and I coded the shopping cart. I found credit card processing and did that. I went to shows and things and sold my stuff. I didn't just sell my stuff. I actually created it there. I lugged my entire process, my press, my printer, everything with me to the show to actually make the shirts at the show. I mean, I did every single order. I touched it from the beginning to the end. And I was running myself nuts. And at the time, I had an 18-month-old and a 3-year-old. Oh my gosh. I would basically be making shirts until two in the morning and then get up at six when the first one woke up because of course he had to wake up with the sun. So (laughs) yeah, so it, it was nuts. And that was the biggest mistake is that I didn't get help. 
Mm. But I didn't even know I was exactly like you, right? I just do everything. We're moms. We just do everything. We just jump in and do it all. I'm making dinner at the same time as I'm putting dishes in the dishwasher or yeah. <laughs> changing a diaper or putting on a movie or vacuuming. Or I mean, we're doing everything. But that's the number one mistake, I got to tell you. Not that you want to jump in immediately and get help. If you're not in that place, you've got to really judge and get past the whole mom thing that you can do everything. Because yeah. yes, you're right. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So get out those other tasks like the shop carts and all that. I should not have done that. I had to teach myself. But I was lucky because I was a um, technical recruiter at the time. So I had a wealth of knowledge of the people that I'd found jobs for. All I had to do is go ask them. And they told oh, me how that's to do good. It. So of oh, course yeah. I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So of course I'll, I'll figure out how to do that. That's quite easy. I did. Yeah. In those early years, did you have childcare at all? Or were you also were you pretty much doing all this stuff during nap times and mornings? I was a total nutcase. No, I did not have any childcare. We don't have relatives that live near us. And I didn't know anyone for childcare and just wasn't comfortable with that. Because we have a whole history. We were married for 15 years before we had kids. So having kids was like, okay, this is a choice. We know this is a very short period of time. Right. We're going to do this. And that was our choice. So no, I wasn't going to use childcare and I didn't. And so I had to do it during nap time. Time, I found very clever ways in my office. I had a little little table, you know, the little kid tables with chairs. When I would work, they would work. And of course, it was play for them. But that's cute. That was our time. And I developed a calendar that was color coded so that, of course, it taught them how to tell time. But at the same time, it taught them patience. And it basically stopped the competition with my computer. Got it. Got it. Because if it's red, that means we still have to wait until it gets blue until that's you can. It. That's it. This is your favorite. So one kid's favorite color was blue. The other's was green. And so if we were going to go to the zoo or... Well, not the zoo. I don't like zoos. But anyway, that's another story. (laughs) We were going to go to the park or something like that. I would put that on the calendar as blue or green and say, here's when it's going to happen and show them on the clock. And then my color was purple. And I'd say, okay, it's still mom's color. So if you keep interrupting and not being patient, then it's going to take longer and it's going to cut into your time that we've got for the park. Mm. So that kind of stuff to be able to train them that... You can be patient. We can, and of course, sometimes obviously it doesn't work. Best laid plans of wonderful mothers. You know, of course, they're sick, colds coming on, or whatever. But that really helped them to understand the process and be able to find at least some patience. That's really smart. I mean, that's such a great positive that comes out of trying to figure it out, make it all work together. One of the ways that I feel like I've been able to manage both of those roles is being able to be like blocking time so that these days out of the week or at these times, that's when I'm business person. And these times during the week, that's when I'm full-time mommy. It works really well. However, the one drawback of that is that like I really enjoy the fact that I can be super present with my kid and I'm not having to think about business on those days that I'm like, I know I'm committed to being mommy today. But the drawback of that is that she gets all of my time and she doesn't have to learn how to share that. And she has not had to learn how to like even like play on her own. I've I've really recognized I'm like, oh my gosh, I can need to allow her to like play on her own a lot more than what I do because she's so used to on those days having my time all the time. Yeah, totally. I agree. And that was one of the benefits of doing it my way. But the other way is you can just build that in. That's part of the normal parenting process, not necessarily parenting while you're in business. Because all moms and dads have to do that and help their kids become self-sufficient. So you just have the normal parenting process <laughs> instead of making the business do it for you. Which exactly. I just made the business do it for me. So oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I copped out. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a way to make them both work at the same time. Was there a point, especially in those early years and while you were 
like <laughs> going crazy, like doing all of that stuff? Or is there a point that you hit a wall or exhaustion or like you just realize like, ah, this is not working or this is not going to work anymore? Did you see that your desire to do it all in that way have negative repercussions? I didn't. And the reason is because, again, the outside forces came and did that for me. So I'm an implementer, but I have to be excited about whatever it is I'm doing. And once it becomes maintenance-like, I lose interest immediately. So I need to be fresh and excited and all those things. But once I get into a maintenance mode where I'm doing basically the same thing all the time, I'm done. So with that, from 2003 to about 2008, so a good five years. And the first two years were just building, right? I started out of the gate really successful, but we're talking, I think my first holiday season, I made maybe $2,000. And this was for a $35 shirt. And I launched on November 1st. So November 1st went live. And by December 31st for that holiday, I made, I'd already made two grand. I'm like, this Yay. is really cool. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. And then just kept going building from there and kept doubling and tripling and all that kind of stuff over the years. But for five years, and then, of course, we all know what happened in 2008. The economy just went nuts. And of course, retail was the number one indicator that something was wrong. And so my business dropped by half. And through those five years, I was innovating. I was bringing in other products. So I did Swarovski crystals and I had to keep it fresh for myself, let alone for my customers. And then, of course, 2008 hits and my income drops by half. Again, half the next year, half the next year. And me, I just thought, I just got to double down, work harder, find another avenue, pour more money into advertising, develop a high-end product. I mean, I was just go, 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 go. And did not stop, take a deep breath, look around and see what was working, what wasn't. I didn't have that structure around me. So if I'd had other people helping me, I would have had other brains to say, okay, wait a minute, this part's working, but this part isn't. I didn't have that. It was only my own head, which is the worst place I can be. (laughs) It's a great place to be when I'm trying to create, but it's a bad place to be when I'm trying to figure out what's wrong. So that's it. The outside forces came and did it for me. The business just was dropping and just dying. One of the best pieces of advice, my accountant finally about 2011, he comes to me and he says, "You know, why are you still hanging on to this dying business. And I just looked at him and said, because if the business fails, then that means I failed. Mm, and I, I actually think... said those words, which yeah. I hadn't said to myself before. right? Yeah. Yep. And he just looked at me and said some of the wisest words I've ever heard and have stuck with me since, you are not your business. And that just clicked to me to give me permission to separate. And I'm bawling and I give him a big, wet, sloppy kiss because he <laughs> happens to be my husband. <laughs> and I said, okay, what are we going to do? And so we sold everything, all my equipment and outsourced the whole thing. So I went from doing everything to doing nothing. And of course, I had to do something. I, can't, I mean, I'm go, go, go all that time for how many years? I can't just not... I can't just be a mom. Just a mom, right? We know that's not it. But by that time, my kids are in school. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And so I started a podcast. And why a podcast of all things? Well, I started consulting with a lot of people who were coming to me and asking me, how did you do that? How did you raise kids at the same time when you're building businesses and blah, blah, blah. I was a big follower and still am of Pat Flynn. Love the guy. Sweetheart. And he was doing a podcast and he had a free podcast course of like six videos on his site. And I loved the idea of a podcast, but I hated the sound of my voice. Of course, we all do. How random. See, here I introduce you first as the lady with the sexiest podcasting voice and you hated your And I hated my... I absolutely (laughs) hated it. I just felt so fake. I didn't... I just didn't get my groove, right? I I wasn't letting myself be me. And finally, it just clicked and I went, okay, I think I can do this about parenting and entrepreneurship. And I actually reached out 
to Pat Flynn, what are the scariest, first, crazy things besides building a business and running it all myself? This was really crazy to me to actually reach out to Mr. Pat Flynn and ask him to be on my podcast. And I reached out in an email and just said, I love what you do. Talked about what he does. I love that you bring your kids in and realize it's about part of your business and blah, blah, blah. And I'm putting together a podcast about parenting and entrepreneurship and I'd love to have you on. And he replied. He actually answered me and said, nobody's doing this. Yes, you have to do this. I'd love to be on. That was like a high day I will never forget. Absolute high that this person that I had followed since his beginning, basically, actually, I was having a conversation with. And it was just nuts. It was so amazing. And that was the beginning. And there were so many more people that were parents, but we didn't know it. They were great, successful entrepreneurs, but we didn't know they were parents at the same time. And so I found those people. I asked people, who do you know? What do you do? And and I looked at other podcasts. A lot of people like John Lee Dumas on his show, he was starting as well. And he had a bunch of different people on his show. and And I investigated them and found that they were parents. And then went and said, Hey, I heard you on JLD and EO Fire. And I would love to have you on my show. And that just started building it from there. And I never looked back. It was just too much fun. I love it. And I would imagine back then... Because what year are we talking about? 2000... We're talking 13. Yeah. 2013. So none, if any, or little, if any, shows that are really talking about the parenting behind the business, right? I imagine that that must have got a lot of traction right away just because it was... People really wanted to hear like... Oh, I already know who this person is as a quote unquote successful business person. How are they as parents? Like That's a whole new story, right? Like a whole new vibe. Yeah. And also the main thing... the And I didn't realize I was going to give to... We're at about 215 episodes now. I only do once a week. And uh, the first 100 episodes was really the realization that business and parenting are really... They have the same phases. The newborn is just like startup. Right? All your attention, you're up at night, you just love this thing, you can't get enough of it, you just are in it all the time, watching the baby sleep, watching the stats on your website, you know, one person visits. You just are consumed by this whole thing. That's the newborn in the startup phase. And then they go into the toddler phase where there's a huge leap forward and then you fall back on your bum. Right? That's the toddlers. That's what toddlers do. That's how they learn. That's how they grow. Our businesses do the same thing. The total similarities. The school age phase is where you have a steady growth and you get your systems in place and you figure it out a little bit more and you actually can start regular growth and consistency. And then I am now in my exit strategy Uh as a parent. (laughs) Right? I am in my ex. And it's the same thing. You have to prepare for this thing to live beyond you without you in it day to day, without you in it hardly at all. That's your exit strategy. And I'm in it with parenting and I was in it with business with Mommy Loves, which was my first novelty maternity store back in 2003. So it's the same parenting and business have the same phases. It's not a coincidence. Probably about 50 to... And I don't remember... I don't know the exact numbers. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. 50% of the people that I interviewed actually birthed a baby, most of the women, obviously, birthed a baby and a business at the same time. I find that so fascinating, don't you? Yes. Why, in all of your conversations with those ladies, why? Like, I don't, I don't think I have figured out the why. I sort of think that it's because... And I'm only saying this because right before I had my daughter, I was super ignorant about what (laughs) I could potentially handle, right? I was like, of course, I'm going to have this rock star business while I have a newborn. Of course, I'm going to do that. And it didn't hit me until she was like 3 months old. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I can't... I'm cross-eyed right now. Hold on a minute. But like, why do you think that is? And all the conversations that you've had that those two things seem to coexist together. 
I really do think that it's because they're building one thing that they're in that mode. So they're building the other. You know, you're in the mode of the all of the stages that you go through in pregnancy, right? You know, and the startup is the same kind of concept. You have the yeah. idea, you have to do research, you have to figure out the website before you launch. And launching is like birthing that whole process. And for me, it took nine months for my first business. It took the same <laughs> amount of time for crime sakes. That's right? funny. That's really funny. And almost everybody else I talk about the same thing. It takes about that long. And so I think it's that whole building process. And some of it, it's just random and accidental. But a lot of it is that you're in that building mode. You're in that creation mode. And you have those same... Really, think about it. Even though we have baby brain and our brains kind of go cockeyed, they also get amazing times of clarity and creativity during that time, at least for me. And so, of course, what are you going to do with that energy? You're going to create something with it. So yeah, I think that's what it is. Even dads, the same thing with dads. While their wife was pregnant, they went and started a new business. I mean, it's kind of the... It just is a very common thing. Not for me. I waited until mine was 18 months old. But there was a reason (laughs) for that though too, because I had basically fallen and broken both my legs with my second pregnancy when I was eight months pregnant. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Holy cow. I didn't tell you that story? No. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I just want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. So you already had your first kid. Right. At that point, you did not have a business. Second kid you're pregnant with and you're eight months pregnant with second kid, also with a toddler around and you broke both of your legs? Both of my legs. What happened? Crazy thing, Katie. You you have this um, hormone in late-term pregnancy called relaxin that basically allows for the relaxation basically of the ligaments to prepare for a birth. And that thing circulates through your entire system. It doesn't just go to your pelvis. And so I'm walking out my neighbor's front door and the rise the from the door jam to the first step of her porch was like nine inches. So it's at least two to two and a half inches taller than the, an average stair riser. So I go to step and I'd always gone out her house through the garage. Okay, But this time we were going out the front door. We had been swimming. And so... I'm stepping out the door and three kids under the age of five are stepping out all around me. And I can't see where I'm putting my feet. It's lower than I expect. So I'm automatically off balance there. And I have these shoes on that are hard cork soles that don't get. So I went to step and I stepped on the side and of course snapped over Uh um, because of the hard sole. And then I went to catch myself with the other foot and it snapped as well. And then I heard a pop. (laughs) And I proceeded to roll down the remaining two steps. No, the baby was fine. Oh my God. And I landed with a broken bone in my foot and a broken bone in my ankle. And both started to swell immediately. I did it really well. I broke Oh my bone. gosh. And I had casts up to the knee on both legs. While you were delivering? I had to go through labor, delivery, and caring for a newborn <laughs> oh my while gosh. hopping around with a walker like little old ladies have. Because that of course... not crutches. a story I've ever heard before. Oh my gosh. Because... <laughs> I'm telling you, I wrote a book about it, okay? <laughs> because when I was in it, that's the only time I ever felt depressed. I have never in my life felt that way. It, but it was because I didn't have my independence. I couldn't go, go, go. I was dependent on everyone else. I had to have a flipping bedside commode. I didn't even know what the heck one of those was that followed me around because I couldn't get to the bathroom fast enough. Think about it. last month of pregnancy. How often do you have to pee? Uh, every five minutes. And how are you going to get there if the only mode of transportation you have is a walker and the first hop is going to just open the floodgates? Oh my goodness. All over your cast. can imagine that. Yeah. So no wonder you waited until the little one was 18 months old. How long were you in that predicament until you were able to then like move around relatively normally? 
I couldn't even carry my newborn because again, I had I could only walk with the walker. Even when I got one of the casts off, because one came off about two weeks before the other. And of okay. course, we didn't know what we were having. So one cast was pink and the other one was blue. <laughs> so that was fun. But it took... I couldn't actually get back to a normal life. And we're talking taking showers. I couldn't take a shower. I couldn't take a bath. I had to only do sponge baths. My husband and my three-year-old, that was... I'm telling you, one of the most amazing experiences of my life was... This was in September. Actually, it was September 2001. They would take me out on the patio and wash my hair. And I would just lean back in it because I couldn't wash. I had long, long hair and I didn't have a sink big enough and I couldn't stand long enough on one foot because I couldn't put weight on one leg to wash my hair. So they would take me out once a week and my little three-year-old's little hands going through my hair, Aww. washing my hair. It was so fresh. It was the what best act thing. of love. Oh my gosh. It was so fun. You know, in that sense, all of those experiences I also have to remind myself of. But it took at least 12 weeks before I could actually walk out of the hospital when I finally got the last cast off and had a walking boot before I could actually carry my... By then, he was almost two months old. My newborn, I couldn't even carry him. I mean, just think about how just to change a diaper, it was crazy. I could go on and on. But it wasn't... The reason I didn't start the business wasn't because I had to wait for that. It was because I had to learn the lesson from that. And that was that I was depressed. I couldn't believe I was in this predicament. I had to rely on my husband to do everything. Laundry, cooking, everything. Because all I could do was sit, especially when the baby was still cooking, right? Right, right, right. And I had to finally realize I had to get on the other side of that to go realize, you know what? If I can get through this with my sense of humor intact, I can do anything. Yeah. And that's what I needed because I'd had the idea for this business with my first pregnancy. It was a novelty maternity company, right? Mm -hmm. With sayings on the front like, um, don't touch a kicks. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, One of my favorites, or don't touch, it's hot. So that was it. I had it with my first pregnancy, but didn't do anything with it. I just didn't have the confidence, didn't have the knowledge, didn't have the chutzpah to do it. And then finally went through this and finally said, if I can do this, business is nothing. I can do this. And that's when I finally did it. I love that story for so many reasons. One major one that keeps coming to mind is because I feel like it gives a little bit of a nod to seasonality. You know, you talked about, and I love the breakdown of like the newborn baby and the newborn business, the toddler baby, the toddler business, which is all so true. And I think there's this thing called the seasonality of our lives during which we are more apt to do some things and less apt to do others and allowing that all to be okay. Because I would imagine just like this story, like that was not the season to start the business, right? Like you, (laughs) and you probably, it was probably something you weren't even thinking about during all of that stuff, but you realize like, okay, you got to a season where, okay, now it was the time to do it. And even over all of these years, since 2003 of all of the different iterations and the different interests that you've had and all the different seasons of business that you've had, the marriage of how you being a mom and your kids in and your husband, like all of that stuff, as it's married with your businesses all of these years, I'm sure have had different seasons, right? That is the really the thing that I think I've learned most, Katie, and I think you hit it perfectly. So the times that we feel upset, we feel anxious, we feel angry, we feel frustrated because our businesses aren't where we want them to be or our kids aren't doing what we want them to do. When we feel those things, it's because our ideal or our idea of what should be happening doesn't match reality. And we try and push it to make it match that. And sometimes that's cool. We need to push ourselves and go to wherever the next level is we need to be. Most of the time, however, if we just 
took a deep breath, calmed down, looked at where we are, we would realize we're way ahead of where we were last year, last month, whatever we're talking about. Same thing with kids. If we just take a deep breath, it's okay. Even though we think, why aren't they doing this? They should be over this by now or whatever we're saying. Take a deep breath. Look back. That was only two weeks ago that they learned how to walk. So when you talk about seasonality, that's exactly it. Most of the time, we just have to let the season happen the way it's going to happen and not necessarily just respond to it, but adapt as it's happening and create as it's happening instead of always forcing. And I'm only talking about forcing when you are really frustrated. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, when we're just frustrated. Oh, why isn't this working? We've tried this and that whole feeling... That is usually the time that's the clue to just stop, relax, take a deep breath, look at really where you are with objective eyes, not with that, this is what I want it to be, but this is reality. And so when you do that, you really allow yourself to move into that season instead of trying to force it. Because there's probably a piece of it that you didn't even know you needed yet. Yes. But when you relax, you see it. Yeah. You know, it's so true. I've been hearing the term surrender to the season lately. And I really, I love that because I will be the first to admit that that is a very challenging thing for me to really embody because I'm a hard driver. I'm a hard driver all the time. So what happens if I have a season where all of a sudden I'm not a hard driver or things aren't going perfectly according to this beautiful plan and strategy that I had created, right? And I've had this conversation with so many people about how like that's the nature of business. What I do and why I'm here is not necessarily to teach or to help with business strategy. It literally is personal development done through the lens of this vehicle of business, right? It just happens to be because we have to get used to that maneuvering of whatever season it is, the shifting, the changing, the tweaking, the altering, whatever that is. And I feel like in business, I'll speak for myself. And I I think a lot of the women listening feel this way. We're so highly ambitious. And so we have this great vision and we're like charged towards that vision. And the lesson comes in when that path is not straight, which it of course never is. And then sometimes that path gets completely skewed. And so the lesson there is really like, I actually have to kind of like become somebody different and evolve here in order to make it through this. Maybe the vision's changing. Maybe maybe what I'm here to do all of a sudden doesn't make sense anymore. And maybe I need to kind of like spend some quiet time to be able to figure that out. And like you said, breathe and calm down and see what's around you. And It would be really interesting to me to hear your perspective or maybe some habits that you've created in order to help you constantly do that for yourself because things are ever evolving through these seasons and through just kind of the normal ups and downs of business and things not happening in the perfect way that you always think that they are. So what sort of practices do you have or what has worked for you over the years to do that breathing to get you to a point where you're able to see what is needed sort of from the inside out? Yeah, good question. And unfortunately, I don't have a pat answer for you because I'm not one of those people that is a routine kind of person. If I'm not going to be once maintenance hits, I'm out of here. I need something new. So I constantly adapt that for myself, for my own personality. The one thing I do consistently, maybe not every single day, but what I mean consistently is I have a journal of some kind around me. And it doesn't have to be a journal where I'm writing all my feelings out. That's one of the reasons Facebook wasn't really my favorite place to be. is because I'm not one of those gals that just writes about all the stuff I'm feeling and blah, blah. I just don't do that. But I write in outline form. And I write things that I need to do. And if something's happening in my life, you betcha I'm in there writing about it. So that's number one, the consistent thing that I've done is writing. 
I probably at least a hundred different journals, and they're just spiral bound notebooks. Small. They're not eight and a half by eleven. They're you know the little smaller, maybe six by nine kind of thing. And just every day, whether it's writing down what I have to do that day, or writing down a something that happened, or a lesson that I learned, or I take notes if I'm on a webinar, or I take notes if I read a blog post, or I'm always writing something. And then I go back and occasionally read and go, wow, that was cool. Or wow, I really said that? Or wow, that's amazing. So I remind myself a lot about that kind of stuff. But I do meditate. And again, not every day. I try to every day, or I I shouldn't say I try, but I attempt or schedule it every day, but it doesn't always happen. And I use either Headspace or I actually use Muse, the headband thing, Muse. Um, I love that as well. Because I'm a, again, hard driver. I compete with myself. I think somebody told me that Virgos are totally competitive and (laughs) have to do it right and do it perfectly. And that's me, man. (laughs) That's why I was so depressed when I broke my legs. I couldn't be hard driving. I couldn't do that. It forced me to sit. So I think that really helped me to start developing that practice of sit, relax. So whether it's meditating, whether it's just going outside and walking around the yard, something at least once every couple of hours, I attempt to do it or schedule it once an hour. But then of course, I still hit the snooze on my little Pomodoro thing. And uh, nope, got to keep going. Nope, got to keep going. And uh, because I'm in the middle of something, I can't go of it. So I attempt to every hour, but usually it ends up maybe once in the middle of the day where I go take some time and walk around the yard or go play with the dogs or go read something for pleasure just to break up that day and keep my creativity going. Because I am also... Because I'm hard driving, I know my ability decreases dramatically when I push myself to keep moving. So because I will be much more easily distracted, I will think of the same sentence over and over again or read the same... I mean, you know, it's just our brain's ability or lack of ability to focus for that long. And so I know if I refresh myself, then I'll be able to focus again and be much better. So it's really journaling is the number one thing. And then second is meditation. And of course, exercise. I try and fit that in here and there and the other where... <laughs> I love it. And you know, I appreciate you giving voice to like how it doesn't have to happen all the time, every single day at this time, because I think that that's preached a lot. And like, that's the only way it's going to happen. I can find myself getting in that mode too, because I do like regularity. I do like routine, but like there are, se- there are many seasons where I'm like, eh, I'm not into journaling right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and I'm to give yourself permission yeah. to not feel guilty because you're not doing what someone says you're supposed to do. Oh no, something's wrong with me. No, that's baloney. It's evolution. We are not meant to stay the exact same and do the exact same every day. I mean, I'm on the other side of it, right? Lots of you are having kids that are very young and you're trying to build your businesses. And I know it. I've been there, done that. I get it. You are in the middle of it and you are consumed by it. I'm on the other side of it and I can look back and go, you know what? The number one thing I would have told myself is to just relax. It really is not as vital as you think to meditate every single day. It is vital for you to be present. That's the number one thing I would say. Be present. Like you're doing with your daughter. When you're on your days when you're home, be present. That was my toughest thing was to actually not let myself get distracted by computers and the things I was doing when I was with the boys. And it had to because I was trying to teach them to not distract me. So if I was going to tell them it was their time now, I'd better be present because otherwise it's not going to work. They're going to still compete with a computer. So that's the number one thing. Relax, take a deep breath and be present wherever you are. And I would say that that whole point really just needs to drive home for like the entire, well, human experience, but like more specifically because we're talking about this, the entire experience of raising 
a business and raising babies. Like just relax. It's okay that things are not everywhere where you want them to be right now. It's okay that the kids aren't doing exactly what you want them to do right now. It's okay that the business is not as big as you want it to be in your head yet. Like just relax and be present in the moment of what things are right now. Yes. And try really, I know it's hard to not compare, but I really highly recommend that you don't compare yourself to anybody. All these people you follow online and why am I not like that? Why don't I have that yet? Don't compare. Your life, your situation, your kids, everything is totally different and you cannot compare it. The only other thing I would add to that is beyond just relax and let it happen, enjoy it. For crammity sakes, this is all we've got. Life is way too short. You know, my 19-year-old, he's going to be 20 in a couple of months and he's going to move out. Katie, I mean, you can't even imagine your daughter moving out yet. No. Oh my gosh. But it's, it, he's going to move out. My, and that's my... not far away. That's yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to make it fearful, but just no. really enjoy because this is a season. This is not forever. You will be a parent forever, but not like this. You will then be chasing them and you will want part of their life, but they're going to go on to their own lives and really enjoy it. Because like I say, my baby's going to move out and I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to cry yet. <laughs> um, I know I'll cry that day uh, <laughs> when I'm that? driving away. But there's got to be an emptiness phase in business just like there is Everything, in... Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mary, I have loved this conversation. I would love to end by asking you what you feel like your biggest lessons or gifts that your children have received from you, that your boys have received from you by watching you and observing you be the mom and the business owner all these years. This is, I think, my favorite part, Katie. Both of my boys are entrepreneurs already. I love so that. at 16 and 19. So my 19-year-old, he is going to an online university. My number one present and gift that I gave them is the idea that you can create your own future. You can create your own life. You don't have to go to an Ivy League or even a state university. I don't care what college you're talking about. You don't have to go to this physical college, get a specific degree, and then go find a 9 to 5 job in that degree using that skill. You can create whatever you want. So my oldest is my podcast editor. I asked him probably about two or three years into the podcast, two years into the podcast, you know, gosh, I really need help with this. Is this something you'd like to learn? And he said, yeah. And so I taught him how to edit the podcasts. And so he started editing and I started talking about him online that now I have an editor. And I was like, yahoo, I finally I don't have it. to do that anymore. <laughs> and people were asking me, you know, who's doing it? What are you doing? I'm like, it's my son. And so now he has clients besides mom, that he edits podcasts for. And so he has that business while he's also going to an online university. So it does not matter where he is. Right. He is making a living. He is studying what he wants to study. He knows that no matter what, he doesn't have to go get a job if he doesn't want to. He just has to get more clients. He can create uh, the revenue he wants. That's awesome. The second one... The 16-year-old, he loves... He all of a sudden just came onto this animation. He loves computer animation. So he loves to draw. And so he just discovered one day, well, this animating software. And so he started checking it out. So he's now has it. He's uh, going to be... He's junior in high school. So next year, he's going to be a senior. 
And he already knows which college he's going to apply to. It's an also an online college for specifically animation. And he has an animation business. So he animates logos. He started with mine. I'm like, you know, gosh, I got this cute little logo. I, he has such personality. Do you think you could do something with him? He's like, yeah, I could totally do. So he's animated it. my logo. And so now he's animating other people's logos. So other businesses, they can have their logos animated by him. And another client wanted him to do an animation video for their daughter's first birthday party, right? Just like a 30-second video. Cute, cute thing. Added music to it and blah, blah, blah. And so he's starting his own business as an animator. I love that. They have flexibility. They have control. They don't have to go out and do it the way everyone says they have to do it. That is the number one gift that they have acquired. Thankfully, they actually give me credit for that. So <laughs> you don't always give you credit for stuff. Let me tell I you. I love it. Well, and I would imagine even if they didn't, you would still be super proud that they are doing that. Oh you know? my gosh, yes. And I would remind them as well. <laughs> Excuse me, who taught you that? <laughs> Isn't that a mom's job? Yeah, uh, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mary, this has been such an awesome conversation, just so rich with lessons and like just really the intricate parts and the realness of the mompreneurship journey. I just thank you so much for sharing your wisdom here. I really appreciate it. Oh, Katie, I'm, I'm very, very thankful that we were able to connect and that uh, we were able to talk about this because we're all there. We're all doing the best we can do and we're all putting the love and care and attention into both our businesses and our babies. And it will show, believe me, it will show. Some of my coaching clients come to me because they are so incredibly determined to get to that next phase of their business and they just need some help doing it. Some of my clients come to me because they are so overwhelmed and in the throes of chaos and they come to me for focus and clarity and intentional strategies. But overall, all of my clients come to me because they crave to do more to show up more in line with who they are and what they love to do in this world in a way that gives them the business that they love. Some people call me a business coach. Some people call me a business strategist. Others call me their business therapist. Whatever kind of support you need, that is what I am here to provide. If you are ready to get your business to the next phase that you know you are ready for, or you are so done with all of that chaos and overwhelm and you're ready to make some serious moves and push through that chaos, then let's chat. Right now, I have three spots open for private clients. And if you are ready for the clarity and the results and ultimately the joy that comes along with a customized support, then working privately with me might be exactly what you need. Go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash work with Katie and go schedule a free 15 minute match session so that you and I can get on a call and make sure we are the perfect match. Mm -hmm.